what I like about the 9 o'clock service. We utilize some of our sister churches that um, are using the all right, there we go. I can't do I can't do it like Ebony, but she can, huh? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Good to see you this morning. Everybody doing all right? Everybody seems to be smiling. I think the weather, the weather is just so good. Just makes you feel good, amen. People are just nicer in Cleveland when the weather is better. So I'm just glad to be home. Last week we were at a wedding, and it was one of those big family weddings. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It was one of the big family weddings, and uh, we were down in Nashville, Tennessee, and we had a good time. I want to go right to the Word. Revelation is where we'll study. I'll ask they put my presentation on the screen for me today, Revelation chapter 12. And we are, we're getting deep in this thing, and next week we're going to get a little deeper. Right now we're in the pre-creation phase of salvation history. There are seven phases of it. Pre-creation, creation. Covenant, uh, conflict, covenant, Christ, amen. Amen. amen, last time we left Christ out, amen, Christ, the church, and what's after that, recreation, somebody took some notes, praise the Lord, and so this morning we want to get right back in it, um, just put my presentation on the screen for me if you will, uh, media team, praise the Lord, in the meantime let's have a word of prayer, Father God we thank you so much for the uh, privilege and opportunity to be able to study your word. Uh, We know that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. We rejoice today, God, because your presence is heaven to us. And then, Father, the hymn that we sang was akin to that. And it says that we want to be drawn nearer to you, nearer to your precious presence, God. Ah, Father, right now, what we want more than anything else is your presence. If we just have your presence, we know that in your presence there is fullness of joy. And by your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And so, Father, we are glad to know today that we're not just here by ourselves, else we would have stayed at home. Oh, Father, we've come today because you are here. You are amongst your people. And so we've come to worship you in spirit and in truth, and we just rejoice in advance for what God will say to us today. So I pray in Jesus' name, amen, and amen, and amen, and amen, and amen. All right, well, let's get into the word this morning. Uh, God is love is our current series And as we said, we've got about seven phases that we are going to be going through as you study with us. I want to encourage you and invite your friends and your neighbors to join us on Sabbath because we're going to really be digging into some powerful truths uh, in and out of the book of Revelation and Daniel. And really, we'll be all over the Bible. As a matter of fact, I'd like to suggest to you today that if you really want to understand like prophetic or apocalyptic books like Daniel and Revelation, then you simply just need to know the Bible. Um, Revelation is the most quoted it, it quotes the Bible at least 404 times, I believe. And so one, most scholars call the book of Revelation the fifth gospel. What do they call it, everybody? It's called the fifth gospel. So you got Matthew. Matthew tells his side of the story about Jesus. Uh, Mark, which is really Peter's gospel, tells Peter's side of the story of Jesus. Then you got Luke, who's the physician. He's the Gentile. He tells his side of the story of Jesus. And then you have John, the Bible says, who was the closest of the disciples. He actually tells his side of the story of Jesus. Those are the four Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? And so most of us have come to understand that we've sort of been inadequate there. There are definitely four synoptic Gospels, which is the summarizing Gospels of Jesus' life. But there's really a fifth Gospel, and that's the book of Revelation, 
because the book of Revelation is the autobiography. You know what a biography is, right? A biography is when you write a book about somebody else. But an autobiography is when you write the book yourself. Come on, say amen. Amen. So the book of Revelation really is just the autobiography. Christ is saying, okay, I let Matthew have his turn. I let Mark or Peter have his shot. Luke, you can have your say. John, you can have your say. But it's, it's time for me to have my say. Come on, say amen. So the book of Revelation is Jesus simply saying, I, now let me tell you my side of the story. And so it is the last book in the Bible. It is really the culmination from Genesis all the way to the very end. The 66th book of the Bible, it's the culmination of everything, if you please, that God has been trying to say. Now, having said all that, the point I want to make to you really is this, that if you really want to understand Revelation. I'm going to show you some of that today as we study the text. I'm going to kind of teach you how to break it down. If you want to understand Revelation, you just need to be in the Bible. If you understand the Old Testament and the New Testament, then the book of Revelation ain't no trouble for you. So let me say it another way. If you are, if you are a committed Bible student, then the book of Revelation comes a little easier for you. Come on, say amen. You can't just understand Revelation if you just jump into the Bible willy-nilly every now and then. Amen. And so this is one of the reasons why people often struggle in this book, mainly because they are not students of the Bible in general. Come on, say amen. Come on, say amen. So I would encourage you to just be a student of the Bible, and you'll see that. So here are the seven phases, one more time, pre-creation. And so let me, let me just break this down. When I say seven phases, what I'm saying is, is planet Earth has existed probably for a little more than 6,000 years if you are a creationist. Come on, say amen. If you're, if you're an evolutionist, then you believe some, some old crazy stuff like we've been around here for millions and millions and millions of years. But according to the word of God, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We believe from that time that he said that word and the world came into existence in six days, six literal days, right? And then he rested on the seventh day. He did that way before there was a, uh, a Moses or, or a Jew or anything like that. It was his idea from the beginning that there be a Sabbath. That, that after creation, that folks, after a work week, that folk take some time. If I can work and rest, then you can work and rest, all right? So really that was his mind. So watch this now. From that point until now, we have lived in seven different dispensations or phases of salvation history, all right? In other words, God is working through your history. Somebody say history. I love this about God. God is working through history to save not just you, but mankind. Now, it's it's crucial that I emphasize that. As somebody say mankind. See, mankind or humankind, if you want to say that, to sound uh, non-exclusive. But but, but, but what we're saying is God is concerned about everybody being saved. The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all, how many everybody? But that all should come to repentance. So this is deep to me. I actually think this is amazing. That God is able. And if you look at the beginning of the book of Revelation, it actually says this. It says, this is a book about he who was, he who is, present tense, and he who is to come. In other words, God's thing is, is I'm, I mean, if, if he had great big old arms, if you could see it that way, he's gathering in his people from the beginning of time till now. And he's trying to get some folk to just buy into him. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Just, I mean, buy into Jesus. That's why you're called, that's why they call followers of Jesus believers. You know why they call you a believer? Because that's the issue that's at hand. Do you believe in me? 
And so you ain't the only believer. There's some believers that have died and gone on before us. Amen. There are some believers who have not even been born yet. Come on, praise the Lord. And God's saying, I want to wrap all of them in. And the seven phases are, so there's a pre-creation, there's a creation, there's a conflict, there's a covenant, there's Christ at the cross, there is the church, which we are living in that dispensation, and then there's recreation, which is to say, that's the time where the Bible says and predicts and prophesies that Jesus Christ will come again. Who says amen to that? How many are looking forward to the coming of Jesus? All right, let's get into the scripture today and see what we've been looking at. Now, Revelation 12 for your notes today. And I'm going to tell you, this series might be boring to you if you ain't trying to study it afterwards. That's what I've discovered. Book of Revelation, when you start talking about prophetic things, it gets boring to people who don't plan on studying it thereafter. Amen? Amen. I mean, if I were to preach you, if I was to preach in its entirety, all the details of Revelation 12, uh, I could do that in a whole year. Seriously. I can just preach Revelation 12 in a year. The only way for you to absorb the truths of this is you got to hear what you hear here and then go back to your Bible and get in the Word. Amen? Amen. All right, hopefully Glenville's trying to get out of that where the pastor tells me everything, but I actually go back and study. Revelation 12, let's read together. The Bible says, now a great sign appeared in where? In heaven. Together, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Verse 2, then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give what? Birth. All right, so we got a pregnant woman who we know that woman is the, the woman is the church. Then the Bible goes on to say, and another sign appeared in where? Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. And verse four says, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. For those of you who remember, what do stars represent? Angels, according to Revelation, the first chapter, I believe, around verse 19. The Bible says, and the dragon stood before the woman, so get the picture now, and who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. So we got a dragon trying to kill a baby. Verse 5, she bore a male child. This is going to become clear in a minute, this dragon trying to kill a baby. She bore a male child. Who was the male child, everybody? Jesus Christ, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. The word caught up really is imagery of Jesus ascending, being of resurrected and then ascending to heaven. So y'all know this, right? When Jesus lived, then he died, and then he rose again, and then what did he do after that? He went up to heaven. And so the Bible says that the, that the dragon tried to stop him, tried to kill him, tried to mess up his life, tried to stop him from dying, or tried to kill him, but didn't realize that the killing him actually saved us. Come on, say amen. amen. Worked against him. Amen. And then the Bible says that just when he thought he had him, he was caught up. Come on, say amen. amen. To his throne. And that's what Satan was trying to do, simply stop God from getting to the throne. Because if you recall, Satan wants God's what? God wants God's throne. Y'all are with me this morning. Praise God. Verse 6. Then the woman fled into the wilderness. The woman, the church, fled into the wilderness where, and I heard Elder Cox preached on the wilderness, was it last week? By the way, Elder Cox and Dwayne Hall preached some powerful sermons. Praise the Lord. Oh, I am listening. Praise God. When, when I'm not here, I can still hear the word of God. Praise the Lord. But it's a powerful word. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should. And mind this, mind this. Don't wait for me to get in my sermon. But mind this stuff here. The Bible says that they should feed her there. Don't forget this text. Uh, how long, everybody? 1,260 what? days. All right. Now, so that was the scene on earth. We got a dragon trying to kill Jesus, trying to kill a baby, but the baby won. So the dragon was defeated. The dragon was what? On earth, the dragon was defeated. So let me make it plain to you. By Christ's life, the dragon was defeated. The dragon was what, everybody? Defeated. defeated. All right. Now, let's go to a scene in heaven. 
Next verse. Look at how Revelation. Just start, in, start on earth. Now let's go back to heaven. Let me give you some history. The Bible says in verse 7, and war broke out where? Uh-huh. Michael and his angels fought with the? And the dragon and his angels did what? So what the Bible is doing is telling you why the dragon was defeated on planet earth. Basically what he's saying is, you see there was this war between the baby and the dragon, and the baby grew up to be a king. Well, let me give you the backstory on this. So verse 7 is telling you the backstory. This all started where, everybody? It started in heaven. That's what the backstory is. is okay, which, the beef that you're seeing down here, it, there's, there's a story behind it, and it started in heaven. And it was between the dragon and Michael, who we know to be Jesus. Verse 8, but they did not what? Prevail. In other words, Satan was not strong enough, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. He got demoted, and he got kicked out. Verse 9, verse nine so the great dragon, and watch, the, watch how the Bible just explains itself. What I'm really trying to show you in the fastest way I can is just that if you read it a little bit and think a little bit, stuff will get clear. Verse 9, so the great dragon was what? That serpent of old called who? So at least that Bible's already told us who the dragon is then, right? And what else is his name? And Satan, who does what? Deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out what? With him. The Bible basically just explained everything you read before then. You see how that works? So when you go in your studies, if you just hang in there, it'll get clear. Verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven, and this is what it said. Now salvation and strength. And what else, everybody? The kingdom of our what? And the power of his Christ have what? Have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Verse 11. And they overcame him by what? And by the word of their what? And they did not love their lives to the point of death. That's actually the plan of, over, of overcoming. Verse 12, therefore, what should we do? Rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But what we ought to do is, on planet earth, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil, is this clear, y'all? Has come down to who? Having great what? Because he knows that he has a short time. Now, if you have a Bible that you can underline, if you can highlight it in your tablets, highlight that verse because that's going to be the verse that gives us understanding as to what's about to happen in the third section of Revelation 12, which we're going to end today in pre-creation. So there was a war on planet earth between Jesus and Satan. Jesus won. Satan was defeated. And then the Bible says, now let me tell you when this war started. It started in heaven. And the Bible says the same thing happened. Satan came against Christ, and he was defeated and demoted. Come on, say amen. amen. He wanted Christ's throne, but he cannot have it. And then the Bible says, after getting beat twice, beat down twice. I'm going to preach this thing today. After getting beat down twice, the Bible says the devil now has great wrath. Wrath is just a cute way of saying he's mad. He's mad. He's very mad. How many know that Satan is mad? And I want you to begin to open up your spiritual minds to understanding that we are not living in a playground. We're living on a battlefield. Planet Earth is a battlefield, not a playground, mother. Come on, say amen. Amen. That's where we are. So notice what it says. And this is frightening to me. It It ought to make you sober. The devil has come down with great wrath. The word great is the word mega. Mega. He mega mad. Because, and watch this now, he knows that he has what? A short time. He's a desperate devil. Bible says, now, here's the third section. Now, you got to remember that his time is short and he's angry. What did I say, everybody? His time is short and he's what? His time is short and he's what? He's angry because he knows he has a short time. Now, here's the third scene in the same chapter. We end here. The Bible says in Revelation 12, 13, when the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, go now, 
He pursued the who? Or who? The church. Thank you very much. He pursued the woman who had given birth to the what? So notice now, remember the first time the dragon saw the pregnant woman and he went after the child. Now that the child has beat him down twice, he doesn't, he not, he's not going after Jesus no more. He's going after us. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Uh, the Bible says he pursued the woman who had given birth to the child. Verse 14, the woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. Now, a statement like that for somebody who does not know the Bible is confusing. I'm like, Pastor, you lost me. All right, just get to your sermon. Just preach it. No, I'm going to teach you how to study the book of Revelation. Uh, no, Pastor, no, preach. Get, get, I'm going to hear your points. I need to hear something that's going to apply to my life. No, what you need to hear is how to study the word of God so you can apply it yourself. And so let me show you what just happened here. Don't get lost. No, look at the, Examine that statement. The woman was given two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. That's the third time we've heard the word wilderness, right? And, 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 and wings of an eagle is the first time you've heard that phrase. Now, uh, when you hear the word wilderness, what do you think of? Just think, off the, when you, uh, the Bible, when you hear the word wilderness, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Children of Israel. Children of Israel, right? That's it. You did good. That's it. So what Revelation does is Revelation doesn't just come out and say it. Revelation speaks in code. Revelation is like hip-hop. It's like poetry. Po- I mean, you wonder, why, why, po- why poets have to be so artistic? Because it's, it's, that's the nature of it. Why don't people use metaphors? It just sounds good. It just you know, creates, it makes you think. And so what God is trying to do is make us think. Now, those that heard this at that time would have understood very clearly what he was talking about because they were Jews and all they had was the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament. So when they hear stuff like this, they automatically know who he's talking about. Oh, my goodness. The church was given wings just like the children of Israel escaped from Exodus. Talk to me now, Pastor. Oh, so what happened then? Oh, there was a Pharaoh who was trying to enslave them. Because, and notice what the request was. The request was, let us go out to the wilderness so that we might what? So that we might worship God. And so there was a Pharaoh, that, spiritually speaking, in the last days, that's going to come down on the church, that's going to try to keep the church from worshiping God. Come on, now listen, we ain't looked at a commentary. We ain't looked at spirit of prophecy. We're just looking at the text and using our brains. Amen? And so the Bible basically says is now, the church escapes to the wilderness, all right, where she would be, I love this word, taken care of for how long, everybody? A time, times, and half a time out of the serpent's reach, which I'm going to break down today. Verse 15, from his mouth, the serpent spewed water like a river. No, 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 no. When you hear the word serpent spewing water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with a torrent, when you hear serpent, where does that take your mind to in the Bible? Garden of Eden. And what was the serpent trying to do to the woman or the church? Deceiver. So watch this now. This issue of Satan going after women is not a new thing. Oh, I can't. (laughs) And the spiritual implications of it are the same. He did not go after Adam. He went after the woman. Now, I'm going to tell you why in a minute. Verse 16, but the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Point, the dragon is failing again. He can't beat Jesus. He can't beat him in heaven. Can't beat him on earth. And now he goes after the church. He can't beat them either. Fails again. Then the dragon was what? Do you you see why he's mad now? 
I'm going to illustrate this in a second. Then the dragon was what? Enraged at the who? Woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her what? So now he's mad at the woman and what does he do? He goes and makes war against her children. So he goes from Christ to Christ, fail, 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 to the, the woman, the church, fail, and now he's going after her children to wage war against the rest of her offering. Who are her children? Those who do what? Keep God's commands and hold fast to the testimony about Jesus. Now, I want to just say this as an aside for those of you who are really going to study this. This, is just, this ain't for the rest of us. This is for those who are going to really go study this. All right, so check this out. The woman that you see in Revelation 12 ends up turning into the woman that you see in Revelation 17, the harlot. Revelation 17, there's a harlot, right? Yeah, she turns into that. Now, I can't wait to talk about how she turns into that. And so now the attention, so watch this now, the attention of the dragon is no longer on the woman. The attention of the dragon, watch this now, is against her children. Don't think, read. Then the dragon was enraged at the what? Uh, No, read, read. Then the dragon was enraged at the? And went off to wage war against the rest of her what? So if, 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 if Akil is my son, right, and there's somebody that's got beef with me and know he can't beat me. I see this all the time. What's he going to do? And this is what I've seen. In, let's just be real. Let's break. Can we make it practical now? In some of your lives, adults, those of you who have children, the devil knows that he can't fool with you. So what's he doing? He's fooling with your children. Are y'all with me this morning now? Are you with me now? Are we at the table together now? Can we eat together now? Do you see what I'm talking about? That is a satanic strategy. And I want to take it even further. This ain't really in my sermon today. But that's the reason why there is so much coming at our young people. Some of y'all, he can't fool with you. But he knows if he wants to get to you, he'll get to you through your children. Who are his children? Those who do what? Keep God's commands and hold to the testimony of Jesus. All right, so quick summary. Revelation 12, 1 through 6, there are three sections. First thing you need to say, Christ outwitted and defeated Satan on earth with his life and ascension. Number two, Christ demoted Satan in heaven and defeated him at the cross. Three, Satan declares war against the church and his people. What's, the, what, what's happening here? Satan, getting his behind whipped, is making him angry and angrier. We here? That's why when somebody gets baptized... You, know, you ever notice when you're in the world, Satan bothers you, but it ain't for real, for real. But as soon as you do something to serve God, the right thing, trust me now, just look at your life for a minute. Then I promise you that the worst trials that you've experienced were not when you were out in the world. The worst trials you've experienced have been since you've made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's mad. He was mad at you before, but he's really mad now. Are y'all here? Now, nobody likes losing. I love the Lord, Carl. I love him. I love the Lord. But I don't like losing anything. And I don't care how spiritual you are in here. Look at me like you're crazy. You don't like, no one wants to be a loser. (laughs) Come on, say amen. It it could be uno. I'm coming out on top. Come on, say amen. I mean, a one-on-one basketball game with my son. Forgive me. I'll let him win two or three games after a while, though. I'm, I'm winning the last game. Come on, say amen. 
don't like losing. Now, if there's anybody that understands losing, it's folk from Cleveland. Huh? Couldn't help it. Couldn't help it. Couldn't help it. Could have. Man, let me tell you. And I'm, so I'm sitting there yesterday. I'm sitting there yesterday, and, I'm, and, I, and, and I say, Lord, I need, a, I need a way to illustrate the anger of Satan. Brothers and sisters, now I'm not from Cleveland, but you know that I have embraced your sports teams, have I not? I have embraced them. Come on, Carl, give me, give me my props. I have embraced these teams. I feel sorry for you guys. Seriously, man. I mean, seriously, years and years of losing. Anybody that hates Cleveland folk, they just don't have a heart. I mean, the, the disappointment, the drive, the fumble. Uh, come on, say amen, somebody. Somebody knows what I'm talking about here. Uh, uh, the last second shot over and over again by Michael Jordan. Come on, say amen. The seven-game series against the Atlanta Braves that came to failure. I mean, we're always getting close enough. Carl is getting angry right now. Pray for him. Uh, uh, we're always getting there. Come on, say amen. And then we had LeBron. We had the best player in the world. And then, I mean, and, I, and listen, I feel this. I sat down and I said to my wife, game five against the Celtics a few years ago. Some of you remember this game. When he was acting like his elbow was by, I said, he needs to go. It's time for him to go. He's not, he's, he's not mature. He's not mature. He needs to go. Now, little did I know that my words would have been prophetic. And then he going to make, I mean, listen, brothers and sisters, uh, some of y'all think that what Dan Gilbert did in his response was racist, but y'all felt the same way. The way, the way that LeBron James and left. Can we just talk for a minute? I'm trying to illustrate. Listen, we ain't getting in the flesh. Some of y'all say, it's a Sabbath. Pastor, don't talk about basketball too long. Uh, I'm trying to illustrate something here, all right? Can you work with me now? Uh, he, 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 he should not have done it that way. Especially, now, if this was San Francisco or Dallas or other places where they're used to winning, maybe people could have stomached it a little bit better. But I'm just telling you, I'm studying the psychology of the, of the Clevelander. Now, of all the people that you're going to do that to, why would you do it to these folk who are looking for somebody to get them a win? It, now, I'm going to tell you something. One of the things I've noticed about folk from Cleveland is just the negativity. Amen. So you can't see it because you're here. But there is a natural, there is a self-loathing that I have noticed. I mean, we, we make fun of ourselves. And, 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 I, and you see it always on TV. Watch television sometimes. Anytime there's a reference to Cleveland, it's negative. Amen. Have you ever noticed? I, I didn't notice that until I, just, until I got here. And so I'm proud to be from Cleveland. I, I, I'm telling folk I'm from Cleveland. And, and I, like, I like living here. Don't plan on going nowhere. Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, yes, I like being here. And, but, 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 but what I've noticed is, is there's so much... No, I, I, just the other day, I was in Nashville. Somebody said to me, they said, where are you from? Where's your church? Where are you at? I said, I'm from Cleveland. Are you from Cleveland? <laughs> it's just like, what happened here? I, I wasn't, I've not been here. But it's more than sports. It's more than sports. But there seems to be a cloud. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, come on, talk to me, y'all. Does anybody know? There's a cloud of negativity on this city. And it is a, please don't be offended because I'm with you. Listen, if I were leaving tomorrow, then I'd let you stone me. But I'm, I'm here in the fight with you. But we, 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 we reinforce. We reinforce this mindset here. And I'm going to tell you what it is. When you have lost so much, losing jobs, losing industry, this, this city used to be the top it used to be the fifth largest city in the United States. Am I not right, Perry? This used to be the city. And don't sit up here and say, well, it's the weather. It's not the weather because you got Minneapolis. Come on, say amen. 
There are other cities where it's cold. Chicago, it's not the weather, it's the attitude. It's the corruption in government. Come on, say amen. amen. All these things have contributed, listen to me now, to a, feel me saints, to a losing mindset. And it's played out in sports to the extent that we feel that we are losers. And here's the thing. If you get, I was playing a video game with uh, uh, the young brothers that come over. And, and what happened is, is I used to be winning all the time, but then I lost one. And so what happens is when you lose one game, you say, come on, let's run it back. Uh-huh. Let's play one more. Yeah. Why? Yeah. So I can get a win. <laughs> I'm not le- I ain't leaving a loser. Come on, say amen. And then I lost again, even worse. One more. Uh-huh. Amen. One more. <laughs> For those of you that gamble back in the day, y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, let's get one more in. Play another game. Lost. <laughs> it's my time now. One more game. You see the desperation now? Now I'm humiliating myself. It's time for me to turn the game off. Come on, say amen. And go somewhere. But when you lose a lot, it messes with your mind. Amen. amen. Well, this brother right here. Now, I, I'm just telling you, just now, I've never seen, I've never seen it like this. I have never seen a trade in pro basketball that makes this much of a difference where mother knows that it happened yesterday. Mother, don't watch basketball, but mother, did you know what happened with LeBron James? Do, do you watch basketball a lot? Do you, do you know who LeBron James is? Now, now, let's be honest. Now, I'm, now this is not what I'm going to do. Some other preachers today, they've already planned out. They told me. They said, man, thank God for the LeBron James story. I'm going to preach that tomorrow. And so their sermon was, the king is coming, you know. You know somebody, and, and the point they told me they were going to make was, is y'all more excited about LeBron coming than the coming of Jesus. You know, I'm not going to do that. See, because I understand uh, Cleveland a little bit better. This is the point I want to make today. When you've been used to losing for a long time, man, it feels good just to have somebody Choose Cleveland. Amen. Amen. Oh, y'all not hearing me now. And somebody on this level, come on, Doc, do you feel me? To say, listen, I'm going back to Cleveland. Now, I don't care who you are. If you got a bad attitude, you just got a bad attitude. But I feel good about it. I feel good. It has nothing to do with basketball. Some of y'all can spiritualize it and say, well, Jesus, I ain't trying to hear that today. Let's celebrate for a minute. LeBron's coming back. Come on, say amen. Come on, somebody. Now, let me tell you why I think it's significant, because illustratively, I think it makes a point that's deeper than sports. Now, I want you to listen to his words, and then I'm going to close this sermon. I'm going to try to bring this sermon to clarity. I'm spending too much time on this, but I'm just going to do what God leads me to do, all right? Now, notice what LeBron said yesterday, and it spoke volumes to me about losing culture. Listen to this. He says, before anyone ever cared where I would play basketball, I was a kid from where? It's where I walked, it's where I ran, it's where I cried, it's where I bled. It holds a special place in my people there have seen me grow up. I sometimes feel like I'm, uh, I'm sorry, like, I, like I'm their son. Uh, he says their passion can be overwhelming. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thanks for telling the truth. Uh-huh. I ain't never seen fans like this in my life. All right? Can be overwhelming, but he says it drives me. I want to give them hope. Now, do, you, do you see this? Now, let's not over-spiritualize it. Some folk are looking for deeper meaning. Nah, is LeBron the, is he the Antichrist? No, no, brothers and sisters. Brothers, calm down. Listen to what he's saying. He says, I want to give hope when I, what? 
I want to inspire them when I can. My relationship with Northeast Ohio is bigger than basketball. I didn't realize that four years ago, I do now. When I left Cleveland, I was on a mission. I was seeking championships and we won two, but Miami already knew that feeling. Our city hasn't had that feeling in a long, long, long time. My goal is still to win as many titles as possible, no question. But what's most important, watch this now, please don't miss this, this is deeper than sports. What's most important for me is bringing one trophy back to Northeast Ohio. But this is not about the roster or the organization. I feel my calling here goes above basketball. I have a responsibility to lead in more ways than one. I can take that very, I take that very seriously. My presence can make a difference in Miami, but I think it means more where I'm from. I want kids in Northeast Ohio, like the hundreds of Akron third graders I sponsor through my foundation, to realize that there's no better place to grow up. Maybe some of them will come home after college and start a family or open a business. That would make me smile. Our community, which has struggled so much, needs all the talent it can get. In Northeast Ohio, nothing is given. Everything is earned. You work for what you have. I'm ready to accept the challenge. I'm coming home. Did y'all hear that? Okay, so here's the point I want to make. I've never seen a reaction like that to a player who comes back to a city. Can I tell you why? Because when you lose a lot, when you lose a lot, you get desperate. Now, he may break your heart again and may never win. And y'all will turn on him again. All right? But here's the point I'm making. Do you see what desperation does? It causes a city to rejoice in somebody moving here. It makes them do stupid stuff like burn jerseys. And now they wish they hadn't burned them. Hmm? I heard some folks have jumped off the 480 bridge after losses. Nobody wants to be a loser. Amen. Amen. Come on in here, somebody. Amen. You don't want to lose in life. You don't want to fail as a parent. You don't want to fail as a city. You don't want to fail in your business. You don't want to fail. Nobody wants to be a failure. Amen. Nobody wants to be a loser. Nobody wants to be somebody who gets beaten down all the time, over and over again. Every time you try, you fail. You try, you fail. You try, you fail. You try, you fail. You're a human being, and you don't like to lose, and you're powerless, and you're a sinner, and you don't have control over anything in your life. Can you imagine what it feels like to be a fallen angel? who used to sit on the mount of God. And for every time that he has tried to come against God, he fails. This is somebody that believes, Wilburn Rudd, that he is God. And each time he goes after Jesus in heaven, fails, gets kicked out. He goes after the church on planet Earth, fails. He goes after the baby and can't kill him. Lord, do you see the frustration building up in Satan? Do you see that? Do you see why he's angry? He tried to steal you and you got saved somewhere in a tent meeting, somewhere in a revival. You showed up in church drunk one day and the Lord, the Holy Ghost got a hold of you. Come on, talk to me and hear somebody. And every loss, every time that he sees a victory for Jesus Christ, it makes him more and more mad. And I got something to say today. Keep on making him mad. 
Take him off. Come on in here, beloved. Let's make him mad as a church family. What do you say, saints? Glenville, let's make him mad. Let him boil over and blow off his top. Let him come after us. I don't care because every time that he's come after the church, the Bible says that the Lord made a way and protected us. The only reason why you're here today is because Jesus loves you more than he loves himself. Now the scripture says when the dragon saw that he had been defeated, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings, underline that, of a great eagle like the children of Israel. She escaped. Come on, somebody. Somebody say, I made it out. Somebody shout, I made it out. Somebody shout, I escaped. Come on, somebody. Not just the children of Israel, but how many know you walked through a Red Sea? Hi, God. How many know the enemy was trying to kill you? But you got out. But you didn't get out on yourself. Come on, say amen. If you know you got a Holy Ghost hookup, wave your hand in the air and bless his name. If you didn't make it out on your own, it wasn't because you were faithful. It's because he was faithful. Come on in here, sister. Huh? Every time the enemy would come after the church, God would defend the church. And you know why Satan is angry? Because he's saying, you kick me out and you're protecting them. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. Exodus 19.4 gives us more insight. It says, you saw that wings as an eagle? Y'all caught that? Wings as an eagle? Yeah. Gave them supernatural strength to get away? Notice what the Bible explains this. This is, the, this is a reference from Exodus 19.4. Write that down. Write that down. Write that down. The Bible says, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt. How I carried you on what? And brought you to where? Do you see the imagery now? So what God is saying, rewind, is basically the same way <laughs> that I delivered the children of Israel. Now, now can I tell y'all something? Elder Cox preached that last week. Them children of Israel didn't deserve to be saved. Amen. Amen. Y'all, y'all sitting here too holy today. Those children of Israel. Now, if I were God, and if y'all was God, y'all would have left their complaining, murmuring behinds. Talk to me now. Amen. In the wilderness. Do you realize that, that why Satan is angry? He is mad because he feels like God is going out of his way Amen. Amen. to save folk Amen. Amen. that don't even care about what he's doing. And he's right. Amen. Just like the children of Israel. As soon as some of us get saved, our attitude gets bad. Some of you, 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 listen, some of you are worse people now that you've joined the church than when you were before you joined. Because you're brand new now. Can't nobody tell you nothing. Ellen says that pride is almost incurable. Of all sins, pride is the worst one. When you begin to look down your nose at other folk just because you learned a little something in a, in a meeting and, and you got a new Bible text that you've been studying, you got the nerve to walk your behind around here like a peacock and think that you're some God's get shut your mouth. How many know in here that the only reason why you're as blessed as you are, why you are as loved as you are, is not because there's anything special about you. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> The only reason why I've got favor all over my life is because of his goodness and his mercy and his grace and his compassion, his long suffering, not willing that I should perish, but that I should come to repent. Thank God for Jesus. 
Scripture says that it gives us an indication of how long this took place in history. It says that this woman who escaped would be taken care of, now watch this now, for a time, times, and half a time. Everybody say that. A time, times, and half a time. And most folks, when they read this, oh, I can't understand it. Let's break it down. This is a repeat. The Bible is basically saying, prophetically, there is a point in history where God kept his people for a time, times, half time. Come on, say amen. Verse 6, the Bible says, then the woman fled into the... Uh-huh. Now, we're going back now. I'm showing you the comparison of the same text. Revelation, we just read Revelation 13, 14. Now in Revelation chapter 12, verse 6, which is just a few verses ahead, it gives us the same amount of time. Watch this. It says, then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that she should feed her there for how long? 1,260 days. So the 1,260 days and the time, times, half a time seem to be the same time period. Do you understand that? Come on, you're with me now. Does that make sense to you? All right, so what is this thing? In Daniel 7, the same time period is talked about. The Bible, brothers and sisters, I'm not trying to overstate this, but the Bible can be understood. Watch this. He will speak against the Most High, describing the little horn power, or basically what the Bible's doing is telling you who the Pharaoh was that tried to enslave the church. They said he will speak against the Most High, giving us a little history. He will do what, everybody? He will oppress his holy what? He will try to change the set times and what? The laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time, time. Look at, look at the Bible. Well, look at that. Look at that. Now, can I say something to you guys? This is, I know, I, 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 preach, all, I preach this stuff often. And when I get to this stuff, this is, the, this is the point of the sermon where folks get bored. Now, let me tell you why you ought to get bored. Because God mentioned this time period four times in the Bible. Now, help me out. If, if the Lord says something four times, over and over again, in a short amount of time, must mean it's important. Amen? Amen? Amen. Must mean we need to figure out what's going on here. It says that the church was protected, was kept, was preserved for this 1260 days or this time, time, half a time. So what is it? Revelation 13 also says the same thing. The Bible says the beast was given a mouth to utter what? Proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for how long? 42 months. All right? It opens its mouth to blaspheme God, to slander his name, his dwelling place, and those who live in heaven. The Bible says it was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them, and it was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. So, let's break it down. A time, times, and half a time, 42 months, is the same as a 1260-day period. Did everybody get that? It's the same time period. It's just told a different way. So, in the Hebrew language, the word time means one year. Times means how many? Two years. Half a time means what? Half a year. If you add that up, that's three and a half years. Question, how long was, how, how, how long was Jesus' ministry? How long was Jesus' ministry? Three and a half years. Amen? So basically what the Bible is indicating with the time, time, half a time is that the church in that time period is going to go through a similar experience that Jesus went through in the three and a half years of his ministry. What's the first thing that happened to Jesus when he started his ministry? He went into the wilderness and he was what, everybody? He was tried and tempted. 
There is a time in earth's history where the church had to go through the wilderness like Christ to be tried and to be tempted. But the Bible also says that this time of trying and tempting was also a time where God preserved his church. Then the Bible says 42 months. If you add up 42 months, 42 months equals three and a half years. Amen? Uh, 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 360 in the Hebrew calendar. They don't go 365. They go 360. 360 plus 360 plus 180 equals what? 1260 days. According to Numbers 14.34 and Ezekiel 4.6, the Bible gives us a principle for interpreting prophetic time periods. The Bible says it's a day for a year. A day for what, everybody? A day for a year. What time period in Earth's history lasted 1,260 years? Hmm? Dark ages? That's right. Look at Revelation 12. The Bible says, then the woman fled into the, watch this carefully. Then the woman fled into the what? Wilderness where she has a place prepared by what? That, she, that, that they should feed her there what? 1,260 what? And then the Bible says the woman was given the two wings of a great what? So that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the? Where she would be taken care of for a what? Times, times, half a time out of the service reason. The point I want to make to you here is, is that, watch this. Satan angry at God's people Amen. goes after them uh-huh. Uh-huh. with intensity uh-huh. 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 after its birth. After the birth of the, it's the same thing he did to Jesus. When Jesus was born, he went after him. You got me now? So he, when the church was born in the apostolic times, Satan went after the church for three and a half prophetic years or 1260 years in order to destroy the church. And I want, this is why I'm telling you all this, not so you can have facts. The same way, there's a reason why it's in the Bible, y'all. Can I tell you why God has put all this stuff that you got to dig deeper for to understand? Can I tell you why? The same way that Satan went after the church for 1260 years is the same thing he's doing in your life now. And if you're not cognizant of it, you will be deceived and lost. Amen. 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 You've got to hear this word today. Revelation 12, 15 says, Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman. He did what? Spewed. When, 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 uh, when, when you begin to look at Genesis 3, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He, did, he said to the woman, did God really say? So watch this now. We know that during this time period that the serpent or Satan is going to say stuff. Yeah. Basically, this is a point that's making that the enemy during this time period tried to inundate and saturate and to deceive the church into believing lies. If Satan can't make you do something, he's going to try to trick you into doing it. See, most of y'all are too smart to to fall into certain sins. But see, most of of us don't walk into sin. We fall into sin. You know why you fall in? Because you were deceived. If Eve, now let me help you out. This is the first woman. She represents the church. She was perfect. If Eve, who lives in the presence of God, hear me, brothers and sisters, can be deceived, then who do you think you are? And you barely in your Bible. So his first attack, write this down, is to cast doubt in the word of God. The first strategy of the enemy to destroy the church during that time period was to destroy trust in God's word. And I'm going to tell you right now, look at your own life. Most of us in here under, we, we, we know what the Bible says, but we do not believe the word. Amen. 
you believe the Sabbath, but you don't believe he can heal your body. You don't have faith in his word. You, oh, God help me today. I'm talking about a faith that is, oh, we used to sing a song when I was in the uh, Pine Forge Choir and the Aeolians, y'all remember Barry saying that song? Oh, for faith that will not shrink, though pressed by many a foe, that will not tremble on the brink of any earthly woe. In other words, God wants to give us a faith that don't need to see nothing. I don't need to see it. I just need to hear what God said. Thank you, Jesus. And when God speaks, I believe. I don't need to be persuaded. I don't need to see it. When the word of God is spoken, I will do what God says. Now, all of this, this whole Revelation 12, is a prophetic explanation. What did I say, everybody? Come on, y'all deep. Let's get in it then. We're going to study. Let's study. Uh, Revelation 3 is a prophetic explanation of Genesis 3, 15. We've got an angry devil who's going after a woman. Sounds like Genesis 3 to me, doesn't it? Got an angry serpent going after Adam? No. Why is he going after the woman? Can I tell you now? Can I just give you a hint real quick? You know why he goes after the woman? Because the woman has children. A man can't have no kids. Come on in here, y'all. Come on in here. Come on in here, somebody. Oh, come on in here, beloved. You know why he goes after the woman? Because he's afraid that a baby might come. Did anybody ever see Superman before? I gotta, see, y'all ain't in the word, so I got to go, go carnal on you now. You, in Superman, the uh, Superman story is basically about a war that goes on in Krypton. And when the war happens in Krypton, uh, uh, the, the, the war affects planet Earth. And so they send the baby, which happens to be Clark Kent Superman. And when he falls down to planet Earth, he falls as a baby. A, a family in Kansas finds him. Sounds mighty familiar to him. And when the family in Kansas finds him, they raise him up to be a good kid. But he knows from the beginning that his mission is to save and protect planet Earth. Y'all not hearing me now. (laughs) And so Lex Luthor, amen, his number one desire was to try to kill that baby and to stop that baby from saving the earth. It's the same thing in your Bible, but you're watching too many movies. I'm telling you what the word of God says. Satan in Genesis 3 is going after a woman. Why? Because the woman can have children. If you, uh, listen, anybody ever had an exterminator come to you? You know what the exterminator is looking for? He's looking for the host. Oh, come on in here. He's not looking for male ants. Come on, somebody. Male roaches. He's looking for the queen. Come on in here. I need y'all to pray with your boy today. Why is he looking for the queen? He's looking for the queen because the queen is the one that multiplies them babies. See, you up there spraying that orchid stuff and rave. That ain't going to do nothing but stop them for a few minutes. But if that woman keeps having babies, come on in here, somebody. Same thing happened with Moses. You remember that? Remember when they tried to kill baby Moses? And they tried to kill all the babies? Uh, Pharaoh tried to kill all the babies? But the Bible says that the more he tried, the more they multiplied. It says that the women, when they were giving birth, had superhuman strength to just keep multiplying babies. In Rwanda a few years ago, y'all remember what happened in Rwanda? The, 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 the Tutsis and Hutus were fighting against each other. These two tribes, and we had Seventh-day Adventists that were a part of each tribe trying to kill each other. Yeah. 
And you know what they would do? They would go up to pregnant women and they would rip the babies out of their womb because it's called genocide. Genocide is to destroy a nation. Satan goes after the woman in Genesis 3 and he goes after the woman in Revelation 12. Why? Because he knows that that woman can have some babies. Now, what baby is he afraid of? Are y'all here today? What baby is he trying to kill? See, it was already prophesied in Genesis 3. Notice, look at the prophecy. It says, and I will put what? Between you and the what? And between your offspring and who? And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now examine that. I'm going to end on this today. Let's examine this. And I will put enmity. That word enmity, Bible students, is hostility. Hostility is another word for war. What God is saying to the serpent, this is after Adam and Eve sinned, God says, I got to figure out how to fix this thing. So what he says is, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put something inside of you that's going to hate each other. That's why it is unnatural for us to follow after Satan. Because God puts in enmity, hostility in us to hate him. You getting me now? Now watch this. Now this is amazing. Look, look carefully at the text. The Lord says, the only way I can help them is I got to give them a conscious. We here? You got to have a conscious. There are times you know when you ain't right. Amen? Nobody has to tell you you're wrong. You know when you're wrong. Amen? Holy Spirit or not. If a person kills somebody, I don't care if they've ever read thou shalt not kill. It's disturbing. Amen. 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 To their makeup. Even though we're sinners, Warner Brown, we still find it difficult to just go and kill somebody. When you lie, some of us lie very easily, tell the truth. But there's something in you that says, I lied. That wasn't right. But see, what Satan wants us to do is, is the more you repeat behaviors, the more familiar they become to you and the more normal they are. Now, now let me, can I blow your mind for a second? That's why there are some sins in your life that are so deep-seated that you need somebody else to tell you that you got them because you can't see them no more. This is why uh, Steps of Christ says, the closer we get to Jesus, the more, the more unworthy we will appear in our own eyes, the more flaws we will see with ourselves. See, so anybody that walks around like they got it, they, like they, like they God's gift to the church is a person that is under clear deception. Amen. Amen. Can I give you an example of that? Satan. Honestly, Satan doesn't think he did anything wrong. He is so convinced that he's right. The Bible says that when he lies, he don't even know he's lying because he speaks his native language. Some of us are so not in God's word. All of it goes back to this. Satan starts by getting you to place doubt or place your opinion over God's word. And we're going to understand this a little bit more as we go along. Some of you guys know where we're going when we consider what happened during that 1260-year period of time. The first thing Satan will do in your life is to get you to think very little of the Bible. Is, is anybody ever realize why does why is the television shows getting better and better as we get, close, come, get closer to the coming of Jesus? You ever think about that? 
I mean, why? I mean, there are so many new distractions now to keep us out of the word. Most of us don't even open our Bibles till we come here to hear what the preacher has to say. And if you lightly regard the word, you know what will happen? Every evil imaginable will come in your life and you won't even know it. Okay. Let me close this. He is angry. Are we here? Are we here? He's angry. Why? Because he's losing. His time is short. So what does he do? He goes after the baby, cannot win. Goes after him again, cannot win. Goes after the church, God protects him. And so what is he doing now? He's specifically going after those folk who are supposed to be keeping God's commandments and the testimony of Jesus. The children of the woman, the children. Make them care more about pleasure. When they come to church, this is what Satan says, when you get a chance, read C.S. Lewis's book, Screw Tape Letters. And alongside that, read Ellen White's chapter in uh, Great Controversy, The Snares of Satan. In both of these books, you will find direct quotes from Satan and his plan. It's, it's laid right out there. Ain't, ain't, ain't Satan says stuff like this. Oh, I'm going to get them caught up in money. I'm going to get them too busy. I'm going to get them caught up in pleasure. I'm going to get them to lift up their own opinion over the word of God. I'm going to get them to look down on other people. I'm going to get them to compromise. And I'm going to hold them in that position while they're in church. I'm going to get them to say stuff like, I'm not convicted about that. So what we, have in, what we have in America and in the world, really, is a bunch of people walking around with their own church. Y'all do that, I'm going to do this. And it's really not based on any conviction from the word. It's based on this is what I want to do. And you ain't going to tell me no different. This is what I'm going to do, and this don't sound no different than Satan in heaven. Do y'all see what we're talking about here, brothers and sisters? That's it. And so what does he do? He says, I'll put enmity. Jesus says, the only way I can help these folk is I got to give them a conscience. I got to give them a place where the Holy Spirit can dwell, where I could be able to have a direct connection to them to tell them you're wrong. One of the best things that can happen in your spiritual life is to be able to have a conscience where God can get through to you and tell you the truth. Most of us don't want to hear the truth. We want to tell the truth, but we don't want to hear it. We want to preach the word of God, but we don't want to obey it in our own life. Come on, talk to me in here. But thank you, Jesus. The prophecy is this, that the only way I can keep them from the deceptive power of the enemy, see, they're not going to study their Bibles. God knew that. Thank you, Jesus. They're not going to pray as they should. He knew that. They're not going to obey my commandments. They can't do it. 
So I've got to put my laws in their heart and in their mind so that when the tempter comes to them, something will wake them up and at least tell them, you're wrong. Thank you, Jesus. And now the devil's confused. Let me show you why he's confused. Look at the text. It says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. Now, in the King James Version, it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and hers. He will crush your head. He who? He who? Now, he's talking to the serpent. He's talking to the serpent. He's saying, look, I got this. You do what you do, but I'm going to put something inside of them. That's going to make them know when you're lying. That's what I want my daughter to have. When that jack leg boy comes talking to her because he really wants what she really he really wants what she has instead of who she is. See, that's why I'm trying to spend time with my little girl now. Oh, come on in here. Can I preach this thing? That's, I, 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 want her, I want to put more, as much truth in her mind as possible. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to say what she's going to do and what she ain't going to do. Come on, say amen. But at least I want her to know. So he says, Satan, you got him this time. You got him. You got him. But what I'll do is this. I'm going to put something inside them called the Holy Spirit. They need help. <laughs> they need help. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. They will not study and pray. They will only show up to hear what the preacher says. They don't care. I know that. So I got to give them some help. <laughs> I will give them the Holy Ghost. Does anybody praise Jesus today for yeah. the Holy Ghost? He will keep them in all of their ways. He will preserve their minds when they are lost out there cutting the fool. How many know where you were, when you were doing what you were doing, when you were doing it, how you were doing it, and you don't know how you made it out? Can I tell you how you made it out? He put enmity in you. The Holy Ghost wouldn't give you rest. The Holy Ghost wouldn't let you keep sinning. The Holy Ghost wouldn't let you keep drinking. The Holy Ghost wouldn't let you keep smoking. The Holy Ghost wouldn't let you keep cheating and lying. The Holy Ghost put something inside of you. Thank God for Jesus. He says the only way, they're not in their Bibles. They will not worship. They will not bless me. They will not serve me. They will not commit. What am I going to do? The Holy Ghost said, Father, I'll go down. The Father has done his job. Jesus has done his job. But can you not let me get in the game and the Holy Ghost came down inside of us and said this is the way walk ye in it come on in here y'all thank you Jesus for the Holy Ghost now I'm going to give you a cliffhanger you know what that is right I'm going to give you a cliffhanger watch this He will, the seed, will wound your head. You'll wound his heel. Which would you rather have wounded? Your heel or your head? The original language does not say wound. It says crush. It says that the baby, the baby will crush this is amazing to me. A baby is going to crush the head of a dragon. 
But when he crushes it, the dragon's going to reach forth and try to, but it's just going to scrape his heel. Did you catch that? So, 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 so you know what Satan's job is? Come on, Michelle. You know what Satan's job is? Satan's job now is to look for the baby. I'm going to abort it. Now, y'all think, hold on, Jesus has already escaped. No, no, because because of the Holy Spirit, we're all pregnant. <laughs> are y'all hearing me now? Because of the Holy Spirit, we all are pregnant with something. We're the woman. We're the spring. And, and guess what? We can produce more babies. <laughs> Come on in here now. You will lead souls to Jesus Christ. He says, I got to stop him. This girl can sing to the glory of his name. I got to stop her. I've got to stop the man from leading his house. I've got to stop him because they're pregnant. He's afraid of Jesus. Even Jesus in you. Oh, Father, today. He is angry because he's tired of losing. And so now in desperation, in a last ditch effort, he is pulling out all the stops to kill Jesus in me. He wants us to belittle the word. He wants us to deny the prophecies. He wants to keep us off of our knees. He wants to keep the Holy Spirit as a thing that is not important in our lives. But Father, today, <laughs> today, today, a king has come back. His name is Jesus. And the good news is, is the only decision that he has ever made was to die on the cross. He has never left us nor forsaken us. And he's always been here in Cleveland. He's always been here in our homes. He's always been here in our hearts. And he calls out to us now. Receive me. Believe in me. And take my word seriously. If there is such a person today that believes God's word, I want to ask you to stand right now. If that's your testimony today. That's your testimony. Is there anybody here today? that wants to be faithful. <laughs> That's it. You want to be faithful. If you want to be faithful, I want to invite you to come forward right now. You want to be faithful to his word, faithful to his promise, faithful to his voice, faithful. Oh, the deceptions will come. But the Lord said he'll lift up a standard against him. <laughs> the Holy Ghost fall on me anointing fall on me will we lift this to the Lord anointing fall on me power of the Holy Ghost fall on me. Let the power of the Holy Ghost fall
upon me. Let the power, let the power of the Holy Ghost fall.